all of a sudden uh, he comes to you with this like really out there thing that you just had no idea about. How would you react? Welcome, everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Sex and Art. In this podcast, I'll combine my passion for art and sex with my passion for very interesting people. In every episode, you'll be allowed a peek into their world and we'll find out how they connect to art and sex. I'm your host, Zir Berlin, and now let's find out who's our guest today. to be here. So nice to have you. In the beginning of every episode, I want to mention that with this podcast, I want to shine a light on fears and pain and shame around the topics of sex and art. And I want to normalize that uh, we individually might some questions not perceive as okay. And then we always can say no to the question. So I would like to invite you as my guest today and also my listeners to say a lot more often no if you feel like you don't want to answer. Um, this just creates a safe space. Yes, we'll do that. I, I thought about whether we should actually create a safe word for uh, our podcast session, but uh, yeah, let's see. <laughs> Maybe we can do that later when we talk about how that works. Absolutely. In the usually. Safe word, I think, has something to do with our topic today. It's true, yes. But before we jump into um, the topic, which is dark desire, navigating consciously through kink and bondage SM, I want to introduce how we met. And uh, we met actually at a totally normal working space in a project. Um, and I received you as a very analytic person. I know you're a numbers person. I know you like Excel sheets. And I know you're well prepared for this podcast. I'd say that's a fair characterization. Yeah, that's, that's probably correct. And yes, I am rather well prepared for this podcast, as I have to admit as well. <laughs> and you're also very musical. That's true, yes. Used to play music quite a lot when I was young. I'm still playing it quite a little bit. And um, yeah, I grew up in a musical family. Mm. So yeah, still doing a lot of music. Not quite as much as I would like to do sometimes, but eh. It is what it is. Eh? Yeah. It's definitely your creative side. And I know that you um, re recreate yourself with music. So when you're down or exhausted, music is a go-through tool. Which yes, you definitely. Yeah. Most definitely, and yes. We stayed friends after being in the project together. Yeah. Um, had a lot of interesting talks. And at some point, you confessed that you like kinky stuff. I'm I actually I tried to think about how that came to pass and I think it was because you told me about your I think that you wanted to do a like a tantra um sexual therapy thing that you wanted to, yes, to, that too. to back yeah. then. Um and since I was so in, in that moment, whether it was tantra or sexual therapy, it was one of the two. Um I was like, hey, I might know a little bit about that. Um, specifically because I think in all those kind of um, yeah endeavors, usually consent is quite important as well. Hmm. Um, and so I think we talked a little bit about that. And then at some point I told you, hey, I'm, uh, by the way, you don't know this yet. Uh, I'm, part of the, I'm part of the king scene here in, here in my city. And um, yeah, I think that's that's how we started. And of as you were, you were of course always very curious. So <laughs> I think we, we talked quite a little bit about that. Yeah. And um, I mean, since you do not really have any connection to the King or BDSM scene, um, I basically just yeah 
talk to you a little bit about on how it works, on how things are. Um, and yeah, we somehow kept it going from there and just yeah, discussed a little bit about that from time to time. Absolutely. What I liked most about that was that both of us seemed to come alive while talking about that topic. That is true. Yes, that and is that true. that made our conversations a lot more, um, not just intimate, but also a lot more joyous. And um, I, I find since then we're more comfortable with each other even. Yes, definitely. It's it's part of, you know, you you let another person in part of your life that you don't really discuss always. And that creates some sort of intimacy, as you said, but also what I would call maybe a, I don't know, like a a sort of um, yeah easiness. That's mm -hmm. that's maybe the word. And uh, yeah, that's that's correct. I, I also think that since then we we sort of talk more about stuff, even if it's not really not really something that the other person would usually discuss. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been making our conversations a lot more interesting. That's Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's, um, it's uh, exactly what I like. So um, maybe we need, to, we need to explain to our listeners what actually the kinky scene is. Because right. as you said, I didn't know so much about it. I have been once to a kinky party um, because mm -hmm. I met a guy and he just dragged me there and it was funny, but as it happens, yes. <laughs> yeah, so um it's it's a really so it's a it's the broadest kind of question you can you can ask. Um what is the king scene? So let's let's maybe start, let's maybe start with a bit of theory. So um because the thing is so I'm going to use the words kink and BDSM in this podcast interchangeably. It's not quite the same um, mm -hmm. because BDSM stands for like it's 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 uh, stands for specific acronyms. So um, BDSM is actually standing for bondage and discipline, dominance and submission, and sadism and masochism. Mm -hmm. um, so a few very specific concepts. Kink is a little bit more broad. Um, it basically just says um, what it, it could be any let's say, non-conventional sexual practice concept or fantasy. Um, and since it's a little bit more inclusive and I, yeah, I, I like it that way, I'm using that. Um, there's also the, there's also fetish, um, which is pretty connected with that as well. Um, and that is more or less a fixation on a non-living object or body part, let's say it like that. Um, so we can get into this kind of lists a little bit a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about the king scene or the BDSM scene, what you mean is um, people that, um, let's say, for example, meet up every week, um, that go to parties, that practice these sorts of um, these sorts of kings or these sort of fetishes. Um, and again, it's all very, let's say, non-conventional. So there's this like huge, uh, I don't want to call it a wall, but um, there's always this whole uh, king people. And then on the other side, you have the people that uh, the community sometimes calls vanillas, um, which basically means that uh, the people that just don't really have any interest in that. The boring people. Yeah, no, see, that's something that I want to say right away. <laughs> not boring or terrible or bad to not have a, a non like a kink or or a fetish or whatever it's just it's another way of of expressing your sexuality so um it's because sometimes you know it's it can feel a little bit exclusive um but it shouldn't be it's just it's a way to to live your life so that's perfectly fine and that's what uh, the people in the scene just do as well and they do it with their interests and um, other people that do not have these interests do it in their own way so um, yeah it's I, I want to like try to I don't know tear down these walls a little bit because yeah. there's always if so if somebody is listening to this podcast and they have never heard of it I don't want them to think okay there's like this strange like I don't know leather community over there that really do not want me um, because that's not what it is it's just whenever there's whenever there's something that you think you fantasize about, that you think gets you, that that pushes your buttons, 
Um, and that you also think isn't really conventional or is a little bit out there maybe, then um, the message that you should take away here is that there are other people that do have exactly the same kings, the same interests, the same fantasies. Yeah. And I think that's really important because that's something that I actually took a very long time of just realizing. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, it's, because you don't really have this kind of availability um so the the king scene isn't really published much um it's something that people still i would say frown upon a little bit um even though quite a lot of people do have some sort of kink um so yeah that's something that i think is just very helpful if we if we yeah break down these walls a little bit and if I can do my part doing this podcast i'm very happy great i really like that you um that you help me out with this podcast. It's, it's exactly what I want to do. I want to um, make sure that people know whatever they desire, uh, it's fine and it's okay. And yeah. I also found, um, as I said before, I visited kind of these scenes um, with knowing some SM couples and meeting them for a coffee or something yeah, crazy, yeah. Um, which was a bit weird for me because I wasn't used to all the um, action going on there and we can discuss that a little bit later in detail yes. Um, yes. but I always felt super welcome also on the parties um, it was always like um, you know they accept everyone like they are and this is yes. what I really enjoy in life to um, make people understand they they are good enough and um, worthy of everything the way they are Yes, and I think that's also something that's kept me in the king scene um, because it's, I feel, and again, I'm I'm obviously discussing this from a perspective of extreme privilege, but um, I feel that it's a scene that is very inclusive, that tries to welcome people, however it works. Obviously, you always have um, some some issues that we are certainly going to talk about later as well. But um, it's, I think, at least the, the scenes that I know here, the munches that I know, it's just a very welcoming, um, yeah, welcoming scene. And that's something that I think is really valuable. We're going to put some links down in the description um, yes. that we have some contacts where people can contact other people who are interested in that or yes. find out. Yes about it um that's really important so one has just uh, right addresses where one can find like-minded souls yes you said before it wasn't so easy for yourself to find i don't know maybe find out about yourself and also find like-minded people maybe you want to talk a little bit about that how that went for you and you know how it felt yeah maybe let's let's talk about that a little bit so the basic idea is that I was somebody who knew that they had a king very early on. And when I say very early on, I really mean when I was like five or six years old. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. That's something that we can maybe talk later. There seem mm -hmm. to be like two types of um, people who get into king. It's either people who've known from like a really young age, mm -hmm. that sort of age that I just talked about, or it's people who discovered it a little bit later, like in their 20s or 30s. Um, sort of ex as a as a happy accident maybe so um, <laughs> that's yeah that's it, it, it's quite interesting so i was part of that first group that basically knew what um, their kink was before they even knew what sexuality is um, wow. which i find really fascinating absolutely um obviously in your in your teenage years and so on that sort of develops um and you sort of yeah, put on this this sexual connotation on your kink because in the end, kink is something that um, that that has a sexual connotation, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so when I started studying, having my own my own room and stuff like that, obviously you think about okay, what what can you do now? What do you want to do? Um, I actually thought about going to Manchester while I was studying. So you said these meetups um, where people who are interested in kink and bondage SM, they called munches. And you said they're special and you want to talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I, I think so because again, so again, uh, very individual perspective, but. I've basically been learning almost everything that I know about King and BDSM from the munch that I regularly go to. And if somebody's interested in this, um, I think that's basically the perfect way to start. Um, so, I mean, what are munches? Munches are basically just a way to get into the scene. Um, again, I started going there in 2017 at some point, found some really great friends, play partners, some dates. Um, and I know that in the beginning it can be intimidating because you're going to a place where you know there are people that you don't know probably um, and that have a an interest in something that you might have an interest in as well but that you don't really dare to talk to anybody about mm. so obviously that's really intimidating where does one find these munches? Right. So there are, I think I'll send you one or two links where you can find these, these kind of munches for Germany though. So um, in general, just type in uh, King or BDSM munches your country into uh, the search engine of your uh, choosing and uh, you'll find something. Okay. There will be something there. Um, so for Germany, I can send you those links because I know which, which ones there might work. Um, and so you can find lots of munches there. And so, for example, in my city, I think there are seven or eight or maybe even 10 munches, parallel munches that only uh, do, do kings, like certain kings. Some of them are more general, some are more specific. Um, so maybe you will find a munch that is really specifically targeted to what you are interested in. Um, And yeah, the thing is, as I said about the scene in general, they are usually very open. If they aren't, then maybe look for another one. Um, if you don't quite know on how to approach this, just write to the organizers, ask them, hey, how is this going? They will usually be very happy to help you out a little bit, maybe introduce you to some people on the munch, just so you don't really, you aren't really alone there. and. Um, Yeah, maybe I, I do have some tips that that might help as well. So um, you should go to a munch to learn stuff and meet new friends, maybe. Mm -hmm. That should be the intention. You shouldn't really go there. So you can obviously go there and look for a date. But munches aren't really thought to be dating platforms. Of, of course, they can be because, you know, similar interests, all that kind of stuff. So... Um, it's definitely possible to find play partners and, and dates uh, via a munch. You just shouldn't expect it because mm -hmm. that's obviously going to raise expectations that might not be suited. Um, right. I also think it's important to choose the right munch for you. I said there are sometimes lots of them. Just go to them and see if they, if they fit you. That's really important as well, I think. If you can, then bring a friend. That's going to make it the easiest because mm -hmm. even if the munch isn't for you, you aren't alone there. So you can talk to, to a person you already know. It's a little bit more comfortable. I know it's, of course, a little dicey sometimes. But if you have a friend that at least is close enough to you that you aren't afraid to share that sort of stuff, why not invite them? That's, uh, that's, always, that's always a good thing, I think. Um, you should respect the munch rules, of course. So some munches will have like very specific set of rules. Most like of them what? won't. They basically, well, for example, that you do not treat the waiting staff like slaves. That's a very good starting point. <laughs> so that ties into the next point. Just don't be an asshole. It's, a, it's, it's pretty easy, but like everybody on the munch is just there to have some fun, just to talk to people easily. Yeah, don't be an asshole. Just join in that's usually how it works and again if you go to slightly larger munches you will have experts for anything like literally anything so if i wanted to find out something about latex i have like three people in my munch that know like everything there is to know about it so i would just have to ask them um, and so if you have any questions just ask somebody is going to be able to answer them
Great. So it's like munches are the place where you learn and where you um, teach yourself how to talk about stuff, how to dare questions, uh, dare to ask questions. And yes. um, then the actual play uh, or sexual interaction is private or on play parties. Yeah, right. So that's something that I maybe should have mentioned. So usually munches, munches are so you go there in normal clothing and you just sit with people and talk to them. You do not play. There are some munches that allow playing, but those are usually not exactly meant for beginners. Um, so most munches do not allow that because obviously it's quite... So it, again, for a munch, it's really difficult to find places where they can actually go. Like It's not that easy. Not every bar owner is going to say, yeah, yeah sure, bring all the king people in here. That sounds fantastic. Um, so yeah, play is usually not allowed. Um, you also shouldn't go there in a full, I don't know, leather costume or whatever. Um, again, there are, uh, again, there are munches that allow that. It's just not the standard, I would say. But in general, munches are always good to ask questions, to learn stuff, to learn how to talk about it, to learn how to, yeah, how to engage with your kink a little bit better. Yeah. And I think that's really valuable, especially if you don't know that much about it yet. Okay, cool. Great. Thank you. That's very good advice. Can I ask a question? Um, you said yes. you, um, sorry, I, I jumped back a little bit. You said you knew like from a very early age, like when you were five years old or so. Yes. And I've heard this from um, transgender people or from gay people a lot that they mm. knew. And that's, of course, I mean, also as babies, we're sexual beings. So, um, that doesn't mean one is not sexual at all, but it True. doesn't need to be, it's more like an identity than a sexual thing or. I mean, so the thing is it's possible, but the next thing is nobody knows. Um, I've actually, so for that's something that we can talk about as well, how this kind of, of how kings develop maybe in general, mm. but basically the, the takeaway is nobody knows. Okay. Like it's, just it's not clear how that how that happens there are a few psychoanalytical approaches that are all like really dumb um, and <laughs> there are some psychological studies but they usually just look at okay what are kinky people like uh, what are their their issues the sort of things that they do it's not really on how this develops so I haven't found an answer to that, which is a little bit annoying, to be honest. Like, I would like to know why that sort of thing developed or if it's an identity, actually. It yeah. would be interesting. Um, so but if the someone knows, let us yeah. know, send us a yes, message. Yes, please, we please. I would like to see any study it. on that um, because, yeah, all I could find were some uh, really dumb Sigmund Freud uh, things that just, like... Yeah, just not not really any good explanation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to see anything. But what did you feel then when you when you say with five years old? I cannot imagine. Um... You don't really feel anything. I would say it's just something that you see, or maybe you you hear, or you you read, and you know that it excites you for some reason. It's it's not really any sexual excitement, right? It's just. It's just something where you think, okay, that's something that I want to know more about. And um, yeah, that's basically how it developed. Um, I, I couldn't couldn't really tell you on how exactly it worked. I I know from some other people that I, and that's something that I've found as well, is that sometimes you do have some sort of dreams about that. Um And yeah, for, so for me, my my main uh, kink, I would say, is spanking. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, again, it's something that I just, it, it, it just was there. I couldn't tell you how it developed. I couldn't also really tell you how I felt. It's just something that was there and that I sort of had in the back of my mind sometimes. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. So um, yeah, it's it's really complicated saying on on how this really develops. I, I don't know, I don't really know how I could say that. So I, I again, I so for this podcast, I researched it a little bit, mm -hmm. but it turns out nobody has an idea. Um, so there's just no good explanation. So what there is, is there are these, so as I said, there are these psychoanalytical approaches 
Um, so it's like people like Sigmund Freud, Eberhard Schorsch was one. I it's think, your mother, I guess. <laughs> If you ask, if you ask Sigmund Freud, it's your mother. Exactly. Yes, um, and it gets worse than that. So, um, so Robert Stoller was another one there, I think, and they they all treat this as an illness. So, yeah, obviously, uh, they only look at men. Funnily enough, so um, I, none of these ever looked at women. It was only like explanation of men, and it was really ridiculous explanations. So. Uh, so one one of them, I think it was Stoller, he uh, basically described SM as sexualized hate, which is just, I mean, just basically the opposite that anybody in the king scene would stand for. Yeah. Um, it's also always described as the result of some sort of uh, psychological trauma. So mm. as you just said, the mother and so on. Um and yeah, so really strange stuff, um, just stuff that isn't really worth discussing, to be honest. Let's say at this point, this is just a train of thought many people jump onto uh, when it comes about special ideas sexually. Yeah, yeah. We all suffer from some kind of trauma. So there is no person who has not some kind of trauma. So whatever one does, which is helping coping with problems in your life is fine. And if you feel alive with someone, if you feel yourself better, if you, then it's, you know, it's a good thing. It doesn't mean, therefore, it shouldn't be that way. Most definitely. I'm just, I just think that it's a really bad explanation. It's just, yes. it's not what, what is, what is actually the reality of what, of what I hear when I talk to, to kinky people about that. I'm very surprised that there are not more um, modern researchers. I mean, Freud is not like a contemporary, right? Yes, I, I'm not quite sure. So there are a few psychological approaches for that, mm -hmm. but those are just very few studies. Um, so there are, funnily enough, the Dutch people do quite a lot of them, mm -hmm. not, not to generalize. Um, but there's this one study... Um, but the, again, they don't they don't really look where the kings come from. They just look at okay, how do these people feel? Um, and mostly, they just find that um, people that are practicing king or BDSM they are a little bit more extroverted, open to new experiences, which isn't really like it's not really surprising, right? Um, and a little bit more secure in their relationships. Um, and also that there doesn't seem to be a direct link between the preference for kink and psychological trauma. Yeah. So that much apparently is clear. Yeah. Um, but again, we, there is no explanation. So uh, the, the good news is if you do have a kink, you do not really have to think about where it came from because nobody will be able to tell you. Um, the bad news is if you want to know, then bad luck. <laughs> unfortunately right now there is no explanation for that yeah. which i've i mean i find that rather sad but maybe who knows like maybe in the coming few years as king gets a little bit more publicized um there will be because like for example for and again i really don't want to compare this right but for example for for um, homosexuality for transgenderism we do have a rough uh, scientific understanding on how things are working um and for kink we at least from what i know we don't there is a, a podcast coming up um where we talk about how sexual desires form maybe this person knows a little bit more about that that could be um in the same same realm even though they might not talk especially about kink don't have to. If you if you ask them, I'd be very happy because that's yeah. really something I'm curious about. It's oh. like not just just because I would like to know. It's just okay. Yeah. Great. As you said, I'm a numbers guy, so I need to know the <laughs> facts and probability figures. and stuff like that. Wonderful. Facts and figures. And you're very good at that. <laughs> um. So let's jump back into the room. You had your first um own room and you were thinking to meet other people with the same interests and then it didn't work out directly it didn't really work out because i mean when you study you have lots of other things to do who i did meet was my first girlfriend who shared some of my kings so we we were able to experiment quite a bit um but then after my studies i thought okay like once i started working at a job that didn't require me to be there 60 hours a week I was like, okay, I do have some free time now. 
it's something that has basically followed me all my life. I don't really know anything about it, not really beyond what I've tried. Um, so I just want to go to uh, one of these munches uh, and see, okay, how it, how, how is that working out? Like, are there people like me? Uh, what are their, their approaches? What, how do they do? And that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I did. And I haven't looked back since. So I've started going to a munch in 2017, I think. So a bit more than three years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, stayed there ever since because yeah, it's I, I had the big luck to get to a munch that I really liked more or less immediately. So I met some great people there. Um, I met some play partners there. So people that I actually, so when I say play partners, I mean, people that I uh, play king scenes with. Yeah, um, that's also an interesting differentiation. We talked about that earlier um, in our pre-discussion of the podcast, that there is, that you differentiate between a sexual interaction and play. It's true. It can be a differentiation. So um, a play scene doesn't have to be, doesn't have to involve sex. Um, even though, of course, that is a little bit muddy because does it really not involve sex if it's something that you are sexually interested in? Difficult to say. It's it's not so. It's it's not sex per se. So doesn't involve sex means for you there's no penetration. You're actually not engaging into that. Um, it could mean that. So see, this is the thing. It can be individual for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's the nice thing about King and BDSM. It can really be extremely individual. Um, so for example, um, I would say that, um, for example, just normal sex, um, that doesn't have to be part of a, of a King scene. Um, or, um, but for example, what happens if you use something like butt plugs for a king scene? Is that already sexual? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. What happens if, um, if, for example, you do a pegging scene? So pegging is where um, a person without a penis um, is... Uh, basically using a harness and a dildo to penetrate somebody either without or with a penis. Um, so, yeah, uh, basically. So in my case, it's uh, a woman using a dildo to fuck me. It's, again, something that... Is that sex? It, it's closer than just using a butt plug, but is it sex already? It, that's why I'm saying it's really difficult to to see, okay, is that actually what, what we are talking about here? It's not that important in the end, I would say. It's really not that important. The question is, for who is it important, right? So when we define sex or not, so I remember from myself, um, making out with a woman is not sex. I'm not feeling bad because I had, you know, I had this concept of betrayal um, in my early adulthood mm -hmm. um, and not um, the concept of enjoying life and um, making out without a penis is totally fine and not sexual at all. Um, the woman was lesbian. She didn't like my explanation of that at all. I'm going to hazard a guess that uh, that is not a uh, thought that you still have. No, 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 of course not. And it was kind of rescuing myself out of my bad yeah. consciousness. Exactly. So that's the thing. It's something that you have to negotiate yourself. And it is something that you can negotiate yourself. That's the important thing. So it's so it can be you can live live out BDSM or kink in a polyamorous relationship. You can live it out in a monogamous relationship. It's all possible. But obviously, it's something that you um, that you have to negotiate beforehand, and that is also something that I um, actually learned at the at the munch that I went to, mm -hmm. because regularly you'll have guys there that are in their fifties or sixties that have been married for decades, um, that always had this kind of desire, um, maybe even from from childhood on, but. 
uh, latest from from the time they had their like let's say sexual awakening um, and they never told their partner mm. because they were ashamed because yeah. they thought that their partner would not appreciate it yeah and now you can see where this goes right so if if i as a partner if if i tell my partner in the beginning of a relationship that i do have these these desires then obviously that's something that can work because if that's a deal breaker for them then fine um if it's not a deal breaker for them all the better but if you're already married since 20 years if you already have children what are you going to do so these kind of stories are actually and very unfortunately not that uncommon because mm -hmm. back in the 80s 90s or let's say 70s maybe even um it just you couldn't really talk to anybody about that because because and this is something that's really important up until very recently all this kind of kink and bdsm stuff was classified as an illness And not just unofficially, like officially in the like, uh, what is it called again? I think it's called the International Statistical Classification of Diseases and Related Health Problems. Up until 2018, you had a section, uh, ICD-10655 or something like that, um, that was actually specifically for kink and that classified that as an illness. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yes, it's something that you wouldn't expect. They changed it by now, which is good. Um, and some other formats were changed even beforehand. So it's not like, so if you went to like a psychotherapist in the in the 90s or 2000s, maybe you were lucky and they were like, okay, that's fine. It's not an illness. We'll just yeah. have to deal with it. Um, yeah, but this kind of stuff is, it it could have really drastic consequences. And, and this is, I think, really important, sorry that I interrupt you, um, to say that there are reasons that it is loaded with shame and yes. fear to be detected. And um, that this is, of course, also making this desire stronger, but also, um, you know, making you feel less good about it. Um, Precisely, yes. And this is also true for our all other sexual ideas right i think yeah. that that we talk openly about sex is not so old yet um and um i don't know the numbers correctly since when being gay is not illegal anymore um it's also not so long right um yeah exactly so uh, all this is sort of new and that's why it takes some more time to get through it And that's why it will take some more time to, um, let's say, make kinkiness a little bit more publicized and a little bit less, um, yeah, less threatening, maybe, let's say it yeah. like that. You were talking about these older guys uh, who find out, you, you said guys, um, maybe also women, um, find out in a relationship later on in their life that they find uh, kink interesting. Um, I think this also shows when they can't talk about that or, you know, this um, disrupts the relationship that yeah. there is actually also something wrong with our concept of relationship. To be honest, that's something that I'm probably not really qualified to discuss because I'm not like I'm not somebody who, who knows a lot about polyamory and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, you are right. Like, um, Let me give you one specific example. Um, there was this one guy um, coming to our munch who had a very specific sexual king. Guy from corporate, married to his wife since uh, 20 years or something like that. Had two children. Let's say, I, I don't want to say wasn't brave enough, but he, he just couldn't tell his wife. Um, and he couldn't tell her. In the, he knew since before they married that that was something that excited him. But he couldn't tell her. Not in the beginning, and it took quite a while until he actually could tell her, let's say maybe 15 years into the marriage. Now just imagine for a moment how she must have felt during that. So you think you know a person, you think you know that somebody's there, that somebody is sharing everything with you, and after 15 years, 
of being together, all of a sudden uh, he comes to you with this like really out there thing that you just had no idea about. How would you react? I mean, of course, I would like that uh, they would react accepting me, but I also know the reality of a relationship like that. If you think you know a person and then that person, I'm going to say, betrays you, quotation marks, then obviously you are going to lose some trust. I can tell you that he um, is now living out his desires, that he's really happy about that, that he's fantastically content but he also divorced his wife. It's difficult. You will have to make some you will have to make some adjustments. And if possible, it's really good to bring the people that's going to affect which is mainly going to be your partner or partners, not judging, um that you are going to bring them into it and tell them, "Hey, listen, this is what I like. I get when you aren't liking that because I do not expect that." Just and then talk about, okay, is it possible to explore this kind of stuff a little bit? I just want to say I'm extremely happy that I grew up with this a little bit more openness on these topics um, because I could, I basically had the chance to live it out um, and not having to really hide it in front of my, my girlfriend. What I really like to work on in society with people in my future therapy approach um, and what I also experienced in the Tantra scene is to basically educate yourself doing all the um, passage rites we don't have yeah. in our culture, right? How to become a woman, how to become a man or whatever you identify as, importantly to say. Um, and how do we do that? We have no real examples for that. And we don't get yes. taught. We don't get taught about desire. We don't get taught about sex. We don't get taught about how we approach it. We, so now I hear in workshops people saying, oh, by the way, my mum told me I need to understand my pleasure before I engage with another person. And this yes. is so beautiful to see. And I think this is part of why I'm doing this um, podcast to actually make people more aware of it's a negotiation, as you said in the beginning, with yourself. Who actually are you? What is your original, also sexually? And um, that it is okay, right? That you meant the way you are. And um, that you can talk about it in the beginning. Of course, you need to understand first who you are yourself. You told me before that now it is really important for you to talk with the person you engage with, yes. either in play or in sexuality. Um, yes. Maybe want to a little bit talk about that. So, for example, my, my current girlfriend, I, I didn't meet her. I, I met her classically via Tinder, not... not classically via, via Tinder. Classically via Tinder. You know how it <laughs> is, such right? a millennial. <laughs> yes. Um, and, uh, well, basically, we... Obviously, you do not start the first date by talking about your kings. Just that's not how it works because it would be weird. Um, but when you develop a little bit of a relationship, when you maybe um, already either have sex or at least be a little bit more intimate, then you might be start to talk about that. So maybe you mention something that you like. Maybe you just, I don't know. If you want to make it really obvious, you can just throw yourself over somebody's knee or something. It's just, it depends on what your style is, right? It really depends. And it, there, this there my is my collection no... of whips. Exactly. This is, please look at this one. You can use any of them. <laughs> no, but obviously that's not how it works. But yeah. you, you find ways. And again, it's really individual. So I, I can't really give a general advice on this one. But um You talk with people, you get to know them, you have a rough, maybe you get a rough idea on what they like. Um, and then you just sort of, yeah, get together a little bit more and see, um, does it fit together well? And with my current girlfriend, it was pretty clear after not that many meetings, actually, mm. that it fit pretty well. It's very lucky. Um Or at least that's the way I feel. It's like mm -hmm. I, I'm really lucky to have somebody like her in my life. If you have a kink someone else doesn't like, 
how would you like the person to react when you when you first talk about it so for that i'm actually going to use the recipe that pretty much all munches use mm -hmm. um, because it's it's really easy so um the basic is your kink isn't my kind and that's perfectly fine so i don't have to talk about a kink that i don't like um another person doesn't have to talk about a kink i like for example if somebody i don't know let's let's take a random example if somebody is really into needle play which i'm not down with like at all because it's mm -hmm. just not something for me it's not because the kink is bad it's just because it's not something for me yes um and they want to start talking about that to me then i'm just going to say hey listen i appreciate that you want to talk about this but it's not really for me so um I'm, I'm sure you like you you are you are going to find other people here that are interested the basic idea and that's this kind of inclusiveness there are a million kings i try to like organize them a little bit it's it's almost impossible um but the basic idea is you don't have to have a king but do not king shame so that's the basis what would that be what would be king shaming If you say, well, that's disgusting, mm, that would yeah. be king shaming. Yeah. And that's really important that we talk about it because as soon as you said needle play, I was going like, ah, no. Yeah, because you don't like it as well, right? Exactly. And to know a recipe to how does one um, verbalize that it's not my kink is really nice just to say these words. And in the beginning, it can just be a repetition of something you heard someone else say. Your kink yes. is not mine kink, but your kink is fine, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly. really, really nice. Um, it's a little bit like what I know um, from the tantric scene again, um, to say like, if you approach someone and they don't want to engage with you, you don't say, ah, oh, you stupid asshole, I hate you. Um, you say, thanks, thanks that you take good care of yourself. And if you hear that the first time, you, you say no to someone and someone replies, thanks for taking good care of yourself with love in his or her eyes. That's the most beautiful thing to receive. Then you want to start saying no to more people to experience that you're okay, yes. even if you say no. People should say no a lot more. So many problems just don't exist anymore if you verbalize a, a dissent or a no. Uh, quite a lot so maybe we can talk about consent a little bit now because yes. i think we are uh we are at a place where where that might actually work very well mm -hmm. so consent is the basic for kink and bdsm and i really mean the basic you can't do it without consent it's because if you try uh, that's what people usually call assault so you don't want to try that Okay, maybe then elaborate on what does it actually mean, consent, to you. Right. So um, there are a few concepts in the scene that basically describe this sort of thing. Um, it's not quite as so you once told me about the wheel of consent. Mm -hmm. I think I did a workshop uh, for that. In, I think it was in a polyamorous uh, context at some point. Um But again, it's um, it's not quite as detailed as that. Yeah, it's it's really, really important either way because if you are playing, you want to make sure that you play safe and that everybody will be fine and actually happy with playing. Um, because in theory, you are engaging in something that could at least harm you or your play partner. Um, and therefore, you need to make sure that it's a safe environment for both parties. Um, and that means a few things. A, you need to negotiate beforehand what exactly you want to do. And when I say negotiate, I really do mean negotiate. It sounds a little bit dry, but um, if you are, that's always when you talk to a new person, a new person that you don't know mm -hmm. anything about that, but that you might be willing to play. You need to negotiate with them what they are fine with, what you are fine with, um, what sort of um, scenes you would like to try, what sort of scenes they would like to try, and how you can come together and actually do something like that. So you can't just start playing with a new partner just like that. Mm -hmm. So on that, in that case, please don't just jump into the water. That's something important, I think. Um, so what I already said at the beginning of the, po of the podcast, 
the safe words. Um, that is also, it's, it's a pretty basic concept. So when you are playing with somebody and one of you, doesn't matter if it's the person playing as a top or the person playing as a sub, um, one of you uses the safe word, the scene stops and it stops right away. No exception. Mm -hmm. um, so you can negotiate this. So this is something that we could have done at the beginning. Just say a safe word. I don't know. What uh, would you use usually? Do you have one you like? Something crazy, elephant tusk or something. I, I, or I, I don't know, whatever. Can be anything. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, what I'm usually using is the, uh, the traffic light system. So yellow, red, and green. Mm -hmm. um, red means play stops. Um, yellow means it's fine to go on, but just stay careful because I'm slowly going to getting to my limit. Mm -hmm. And green continue. No, it's it's all fine. I'm I'm happy. Um, there's also, for example, Mayday is a rather popular safe word that's always used at the king party. So probably also at the one that you were at. Um, I have no clue. I wasn't yeah, engaged. <laughs> <laughs> not, it's not. It's not always. It's not always obvious to all the people there. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so these kind of things. Um, that that is one basic concept. The safe word, especially if you do not know a person, don't take it for granted because it's you do not want a scene to go wrong. It's just it's it's it can be traumatizing for all people involved. So just make sure that you have the means to end the scene when you want to. I think it's really important that um, we negotiate things like that over and over and over and over again. Yes. Um, yes. Even if we're in a relationship or even if we know someone we played with, because yes. these things can change um, exactly. on a daily basis. It reminds me actually what you said before, um, what you talk about um, before you interact with someone, um, what we learned in an ISTA workshop that one before one engages with someone, um, one talks about whether one one you know, has some sexual infections. When, mm. when was the last test? Is one in a relationship? Is the relationship monogamous? Is it allowed for the partner to play yes. with other people? Um, how do we want to end this play? Um, how do we want to meet each other when we see again? Do we want to have a phone call on the next day? If you talk about your expectations, it's a lot more um, probable that they are met or that you don't end up in disaster. Yes, and that's a really good point to start a negotiation with, for example. So um, that's something that you can perfectly negotiate, that you can see, okay, are we on the same page? Are we on the same level here? So, okay, so we had um, safe words, we had, we had the negotiations. Um, there's one more concept that I think is really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, which is how how scenes should usually go, and with uh, scenes you mean like a a play scene or play scene, king scene, whatever. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So like an interaction between two people, or yeah, exactly mm -hmm. a king interaction between two people. Yes, let's call it like that. So we call it SSC, which stands for safe, sane, and consensual. Um, so. That means the play must happen between two consenting adults. So you've agreed to what you want to do. They've agreed to what they want to do. Um, both are or should be sane, which means that uh, they need to have their full senses together. Um, and obviously, it needs to be done in a safe way. So obviously, you might be engaging in, uh, let's say, something that could be risky. Um, so you want to mitigate that risk. So what you actually want to do is you want to make sure that everybody stays safe, even when you play something that might not be all that safe. Uh, so yeah, for example, if you play with electricity or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So all that sort of stuff is really important that you know what you're doing. Um, now, what's classified as safe and sane can, of course, differ from person to person. So that's why it's not quite, it can be a little bit muddy. Um, but so for example, drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do drugs. Um, I don't do drugs at all, but I also don't do them before play. I don't really do alcohol before playing as well um, because it's 
yeah, again, it, it muddies your senses and you want to have your senses together when playing. If somebody is not okay with your limits, um, with what you want to do and what you do not want to do specifically, then that's a red flag. And that means you should probably leave. Yeah. Do you have a, a good recipe, one recipe, not the only one, but one recipe for how one can stay that confident? It's extremely difficult. I, I'm uh, completely aware of that. Um, I know that negative reinforcement usually doesn't work, but uh, the thing is, the consequences can be rather significant. Um, so it's just something that you have to stay on, something that you have to be, that you really have to be uh, diligent about. Because the alternative can be that you all of a sudden find yourself in a scene that you do not want to be in. Yeah. And I don't want anybody experiencing that. Yeah. Um, but of course, I know that that's a little difficult. So um, there are other ways of doing it. Uh, one way is going to a munch, um, where sometimes these sort of situations, negotiations can happen. And where you can also ask other people if that's something that is okay, if that's yeah. fine. Um, and one doesn't feel so alone with exactly feeling. so that you aren't alone um that's that's a, a pretty good pretty good basis i would say yeah and by the way it doesn't matter if you are playing uh sub or top absolutely it doesn't matter because it's your fantasy regardless of how the fantasy looks like absolutely so you need to be the boss of yes. what exactly you are doing there i think and it has again a lot to do with self-love and yes. self-acceptance And knowing yes. who you are and what you really want. And it's really important, probably, also for kink, to um, to investigate what you really want so you can verbalize it, you can negotiate it. Couldn't agree more, yes. Yeah, we have talked quite some time now. My last question would be, what, in your perspective, are the three most important ing ingredients in a happy, kinky life? Honestly, I can't answer that question. I don't know. I really don't know what the three most important ingredients of that would be. Um, I thought about it. I couldn't tell you. It's, and that's maybe that's the beautiful thing about it because mm. it's really, again, it really depends on what you want. So obviously really I can say that obviously I can say it's important to know other people that that have interest in King. It's important to make sure that everything goes on consensually. It's important that you look at your fantasies and see what exactly you want to do there or not. Um, all important, all perfectly important. But the thing is, it's your own story. You are writing it. You want to see, okay, what, what can I do? And there isn't really any standard recipe for that. I like um, that. You just have to see what you want to do. And I think that's pretty much what, what I can come up with. That's how it is. You just have to see what exactly you want to do. You have to see what you can do and where you want to go with it. It's your story. You are writing it and you have to see what exactly you want to do. I think that's how it is. Sounds perfect. Thank you, dear Simon, for this beautiful talk. I could do this for hours and hours, and I'm sure we will do this again. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And it's really beautiful to see our friendship unfold over this topic. It's amazing to see what it actually causes if one starts being honest about not just dark desires. I agree. Yeah, that is definitely true. Great. So yeah, let's continue doing that. Okay. Have a nice evening. See you soon. You too. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, lovely humans, for listening to this episode of my podcast, Sex and Art. I hope you feel inspired to reach out and explore your dark desires. A few tips you find as usual in the description box. If you want to support this podcast, 
Please don't forget to like and subscribe. And I hope we hear each other soon in the next episode. Have a lovely day.